Unspeakable joy, unspeakable joy. Jesus is, Jesus gives unspeakable joy. Good evening, everyone. Thank y'all for being faithful to come out tonight as we hear from the word of the Lord. My name is Joy Sixtos. I am an associate minister at the Good News Church where Jesus is alive and miracles still happen today. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we face, no matter what circumstances look like, God is still able to do exceedingly abundantly and above all we can think, ask, or imagine. And so we praise God for that. I have a, a good message tonight for us, relevant for the times that we live in. We know the days are getting dark and, you know, it's a sign of the times and it's, it's sad to say that we even have to discuss that or bring that up in the news or anything so frequently because we know that John 10, 10 tells us that the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. The enemy being the enemy of God, and that would be the devil, Satan. Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy. But if you read the next part of that verse in John 10, 10, Jesus said, but I am come that you might have life and life in abundance. So if you hear anything in modern times where people are, you know, confused, have different beliefs about what happened, God did this or God was mad at somebody or something like that, that's not true because the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. But God comes to bring life and life in abundance. So we're going to talk about something similar to that tonight, a little bit different, but similar and that would just be that we know that the days are getting darker. We don't celebrate in the fact that, hey, the days are getting darker. Jesus is coming back soon, selfishly speaking, because, yes, of course, we yearn. The, the scriptures say, let the spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus, come. You know, we yearn to be with Father God. We yearn to be in our eternal home in heaven with Jesus and our loved ones that have gone before believers in Christ's name, you know. But at the same time, we, we don't anticipate it just yet because we want to have time to do what the Bible talks about. And that is to reach those souls that are lost, to reach those souls that are unsaved, who have not yet given their hearts and their lives to Jesus Christ. And so we know in doing that and asking the Lord to come into our heart and be our Lord and Master, that we then have eternal life with God. We then have a ticket per se. We've, we've accepted that ticket to be in heaven for eternity, forever and ever with Jesus Christ and not to go into eternal damnation and separation from God. And so while we're, we're ready and we're anxious in a way, we're, we're holding off just a little bit so that there can be more time to share the love of Jesus with others. And so while the days do get darker and, and wickedness prevails, we would say we would think that much more where it's like, Lord, come Lord Jesus. We have to know that at the same time, the light of Jesus Christ shines brighter because it's shining brighter through us. It's shining brighter through you, through those of you watching, and it's shining for all the world to see. And so even though, like I said, times are getting wicked and there are perilous times the Bible talks about, even in nature, things going on. We have El Nino, we have El Nino, we have earthquakes. We have even socially speaking and, and socioeconomic things, poverty. We have people starving across the planet. We have wars, rumors of wars. All this is foretold in the Bible. And so we already know that it's here, that it's coming. 
So we know not to be afraid and to trust God and to believe for the best and to walk in love and to forgive and to plead the blood of Jesus and to thank God for his angels protecting us, all these things. So even though the darkness gets darker, we know that the light gets lighter through us towards others. Like I said, so that we utilize all that time that we do have left before Jesus blows the trumpet in what we refer to as the rapture and calls us to be home with him forever, forever to be with the Lord. Or if that tarries, that means if that just takes a little longer than expected per se, and some of us go into eternity through the grave, pass away. It's a part of life. Then we will be forever with the Lord. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And we're going to talk about standing for holiness and righteousness in this day and age. We're going to talk about how being that that holy reflection of Jesus, not a holier than thou, like I'm righteous and you're the scum of the earth or something like that, but a, a holy person walking in the righteousness of Christ Jesus, how we can use that as a tool to be a blessing to other people around us and ultimately to, to win our friends and family over to the Lord. And we have to remember too, just because we don't see the evidence of people serving Christ yet, whether that's our family members, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, or our enemies, right? That one's a little tough sometimes. We may not see it yet. It doesn't mean that it won't happen at all. I was hearing a podcast episode the other day uh, from one of my personal favorites who's contributed greatly to our family and our family structure and our upbringing, and that's Dr. James Dobson. He's a psychologist and a firm supporter of the Word of God and the structure of a godly family and all that that entails. And he had um, another well-known minister, an apologist, uh, an evangelist, Lee Strobel, on his show the other day. And he had part one and part two about heaven. And Lee was talking about a new book that he has out based on research about heaven and how he's researched over the last several years different encounters that people have had, near-death experiences, or actually passing and coming back and things, and their accounts and their testimony of what that was like. And so we know, of course, on the flip side, if there's information about heaven, that there's also information about hell. For those of you that know my family and I or have followed Good News Church for a while, you know that my father, Frank Sixtoes, actually had an encounter of the sort with the spiritual world, the world that we don't see around us per se with our normal natural naked eye. But he had an accident and he died when he was about 32, 33 years old. But now he is the living dead (laughs) per se because Jesus had mercy on him and brought him back to life, raised him from the dead. But while he was dead, while he had that accident in our home, In about 1993, the fall of 93, which we actually call it the fall, he fell from a windmill, fell to his death. When he was out, he was gone. He had a spiritual experience where he was actually, his soul was actually on the way to hell. And he can tell you more details about it, what he experienced, what he felt, what he, uh, uh, how he felt, how he couldn't get free from demons that were taking him, yeah, death taking him to hell, and he couldn't free himself from that grasp. And so sure enough, because of the mercy of God and my family praying over him and declaring life over his body that, you know, it says in Psalms that you will live and not die to declare the works of the Lord, God had mercy and allowed him to come back into his body. 
So anyway, you have the flip side of that where, where you experience hell. Some people unfortunately experience hell. But then you have the side that Lee Strobel was talking about, and that's heaven. And so what they were talking about essentially was, you know, we have to get it right. We have to be prepared. We have to walk in love so that we do get to see heaven one day. We do get to experience eternal life with God. And so that's what we're going to do. But the only way we can do that is to live a holy and a righteous life before the Lord and to honor him at all costs, to love God, to love his word, to love what he loves, to promote what he does and to hate sin, to hate wickedness. The Bible even talks about that. Sometimes in this day and age, you hear people say, well, Christians are bigots and Christians are liars and they're hypocrites and they're so many things that they have opinions of us, which everybody has an opinion about everybody. When they do that, they're just going off of the flesh. They're going off of the, the spirit of the world. They're going off of demonic thoughts and impressions in their mind. But they're always going to have opinions of us and opinions of what we live by, opinions of what we preach. But when you think about it and you actually sit down and, and meditate and think on, okay, this is what they're pinpointing it to, me, 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 a Christian, Christian, Christian. Yes, but what do I believe in? Who do I believe in? What's my source of my belief system? And that's where it goes back to, I believe the Word of God. I believe it's the absolute truth. I believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. And that's what I base my entirety on. So you, as a non-believer, you as a whoever you are coming against me, you don't have beef with me. You have beef with God. <laughs> You're mad at God. You hate God. And it's unfortunate that people get to that point. Tragedy may have happened in their life. They've been taught a certain way. That their upbringing has shaped them and molded them a certain way to have a belief system about religion, about churches, about Christianity, because there's lots of religious beliefs. There's lots of gods that are out there. We know because of the Bible that they are false gods, but society throughout the whole world, throughout the ages, has constructed all these things that stem from Satan and demonic doctrines. The Bible talks about doctrines of demons, even in the name of Jesus. So it's not necessarily wicked things in the sense that it's straight up demonic, from the devil, right, like an atheist or a Satanist, that extreme. But even religion sometimes has doctrines of men and doctrines of mankind and different rules and things going on, which stems from the doctrines of demons. And then, of course, you've got the doctrine of Christ, which is the way, the truth, the life, and that is the way to heaven. And so tonight we're talking about standing for holiness and righteousness in this day and age. And unfortunately, we see the times get darker, but praise God, the light shines brighter in us and through us and around us because of Jesus' name, because he has sent out harvesters into the field so that they can work the, the field for the saving of the souls, for the ministry. Harvest the souls that need to hear about Jesus, those that have no hope in their situation, whether that's you just ministering to them on the job with your family and your friends or whatever relationships you have. And ministering just love to them, not necessarily preaching at them all the time. But sometimes the Lord does lead us by the Holy Spirit to preach to people sometimes. Sometimes it's compassionate and gracious. Sometimes by the Holy Spirit, we got to make sure it's by the Spirit. We are firm with people. We got to shake them up with our words and say, hey, this, 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 this. You need to give your life to Christ. You need to give your life to the Lord. And so we just thank God for what he has done and what he is doing.
in our lives. So I want to share something that I actually shared as a Facebook status yesterday and, and it was pertaining to a lot of things even considering that my ministry credentials from my Bible school, Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas, Texas, I got my renewal for this year. And I put this down because of the times, because of the things I've been seeing on social media, you hear it in the news, you hear it at work, all these things of how society, of course, as we know, because they're driven by doctrines of demons, because they're driven by flesh and, and worldly mindsets and progressing and going away from old-fashioned times and all these things and phrases and labels that they like to put on situations or people. I wrote this down, and I'm going to go into this a little more in just a second, but um, I talked about how even you and I, those of us that believe in Jesus Christ, we are believers in the Bible as God's holy word and its eternal truths. It's the foundation by which we live in this day and age. Because when you think about it, every person has a moral compass. Every person has convictions. Every person operates by some absolute truth. Whether that is truth in we just evolved, the evolution, the Big Bang. Whether that's truth in Satan as their satanic religion. Whether that's truth in I am my own God. I want to please self. I'm here for a moment and then I'm gone in this natural world. Whatever the truth system and the values are, that's what they believe in. So praise God, like this says, I'm a believer in the Bible as God's holy word and its eternal truths. I love Jesus and his kingdom ways with all my heart. I will tell of his goodness all the days of my life. I will stand on and promote what the Bible and God says is right and holy and I will hate sin. I will love people along the way though, regardless of how much modern society changes around us. No matter of who I'm separated from, or even who I'm identified with along the way. Because some people are going to separate themselves from you. Some people are going to say, I don't want to be identified with you. You're, you're too fanatic for me. You're too crazy. You're too religious. <laughs> you're too Holy Ghost. You're a holy roller, sometimes people say. You're too, too, too. Okay? Which, hey, maybe it's true, the way they perceive it to be. But when we know and we realize the power of God in our life, after I saw my dad at age seven years old raised from the dead and the things that happened afterwards where he shared with my mom, our family was aware of what he experienced when he was on his way to hell. The times because of that, financially speaking, that God came through with different things, so many things, healings in our body, mercy, having a cancer diagnosis on my mom years ago, and then having that reversed, literally reversed. So many things, when you have experienced the power of God, things that human nature cannot explain, where you know, okay, there's a greater power than just this situation, then you know there's a God. You know that there's an intelligent being. You know that somebody's listening when you pray. And so we know that we can stand on God's word. So no matter who it separates us from or who it identifies us with, we continue to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Some may deem me, some may deem you old-fashioned, a fanatic, crazy, or many other things, many other labels. But like Jesus, I, and I believe you, choose not to be moved by man's opinions of me. And I'll never apologize for God's word and eternal truths either. A lot of times in society people say, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't want to offend somebody. I'm sorry, I didn't really mean to say that. Oh, did I offend you? I'm sorry. And I don't mean in general like, oh, you should have put the air on hotter. 
okay, I'm sorry, you're, <laughs> you're freezing cold. That's different, you know, that's a general apology for something minor, just natural. But when it comes to eternal truths, beliefs, morals, convictions, right and wrong according to the Bible, I don't apologize for that. You shouldn't apologize either. Well, we know who God is and we know who his word is. The Bible even says too, what? If you're ashamed of me, I'm going to be ashamed of you. That's huge. Can you imagine Father God, creator of the heavens and earth saying, get away from me, joy, depart from me. I never knew you. You're going to say, what? But I did this in your name. The scripture says that. I did that in your name. I prophesied in your name. I casted out demons in your name. I did all these things. Well, yeah, you did it, but, but you were used as a vessel. You know, the power of God, if people are calling on the name of Jesus, believing in faith, okay, God will show up and perform and do what he needs to do. But it's not necessarily that you or I had a relationship with God. But we believe and we praise God that we do have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I went on to say, I know my God and I've experienced his great power at work in my life time and again. Nothing and no one will ever take that from me. Even in this time of unrighteousness and, and uncertainty and the nations are being shaken like the Bible prophesies and all these things going on, our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world and other countries don't have the freedoms that we have. They don't have the freedom for me to be on Facebook and broadcast the gospel to people. They don't have the freedom of free speech where I can say these things and not be fearful for my life. Unfortunately, they don't live in countries that we are blessed to live in. They deal with persecution to the extreme where people are raped because they believe in Jesus. People are murdered because they believe in Jesus. They're starved. They're imprisoned. Lots of different things that happen. But nothing and no one will ever take that from me. I believe from you too. We pray that it never gets like that in America. But we are starting to see some signs. Maybe not necessarily physical persecution like other countries. But we see it in slander. We see it with verbal persecution. We see it in other forms and fashions legally with persecution. But we know that nothing and no one will ever stop us from loving God. So to the souls willing to listen, I will continue to speak. Jesus, I preach. My life is for his glory. And I know that's what you would say too. My life is for his glory. So part of the reason why I wanted to minister on this too is because June is coming around next week. Wednesday starts June. And I don't know if you've heard about this in the news, but June, at the end of June, our Supreme Court here in the United States is scheduled to release their official ruling on Roe versus Wade. We know that was about 50 years ago or so when that verdict came down from the Supreme Court and was the law of the land to where women, you know, could have abortions and it wasn't against the law. It was not illegal and they were allowed to do so. And since then, we've had 70, probably more, 80 million babies, innocent babies murdered. I say it's murder. Because the Bible says, what is one of the commandments? Do not kill. Thou shalt not kill. And it's so sad when you think about it that so many babies could have had a potential at life, could have had a potential to be teachers or doctors or mothers or fathers or scientists or just to, to work and love on those that are disabled. They miss their chance at life because of somebody's choices. Now, I know sometimes there's certain situations where somebody was raped or something happened, but in my opinion, life 
should always prevail because I heard some things on Facebook and people are starting to get so angry and full of anger and bitterness and hate. And of course, again, it's a free country. They're putting their opinions and their belief systems out there and saying, you know, why are we going to go backwards? Or why are we going to the Stone Ages and the Dark Ages? Or why is this happening? Or why is that happening? And people need to progress and move forward. Okay, you have an opinion. I respect that because I'm not going to be again in your face just ah, screaming. I find my battles in prayer. And then because of the way the country's set up, I fight my battles by voting. But in prayer, whether, whether other people believe this or not, People, Christians have been praying for years for God to intervene and have mercy for somehow for Roe versus Wade to be overturned. Those of you that know one of the prominent ministers that is out there today, Lou Engel, that is his number one ministry point that he does, that Roe versus Wade would be overturned, that the lives of these children would be preserved. Because that's what I was mentioning earlier, these people that are so upset and just worried and concerned and freaking out. They're going ballistic with the thought that this might be changed back to what it originally was, the preservation of life. They are not understanding that there are agencies out there that are willing to take care of children, whether they're nonprofit, whether they're churches, their foster care systems. There's people that are wanting to adopt couples that unfortunately cannot have children, and they want to provide a home for these children. I have a friend personally that I grew up with, her and her husband were involved in fostering children in the foster care system, and they were able to adopt three children. And they literally, if you knew the children's past, and you know they're present with my friend and her husband, it's a total 180. They have a blessed life now. They have peace in their home. They're protected. They're provided for. They have a chance at life. Now, not to say that they were contemplating being aborted or anything, but I'm just saying there are people like my friend and her husband willing to raise children. And so times are dark. People are on edge. They're, they're moved by emotion for various reasons, whether they literally are pro-choice in the sense that, you know, let a woman have rights to her body or whatever, or if they're just angry at the system, angry at the party that is for Roe versus Wade, angry at a former president and leadership that was for that, you know, whatever their reason is. But that ruling is going to come out late June. And I tell you what, and if the leadership that is currently allowed in the Supreme Court to vote and push this thing through and overturn it, it may go back to the states. And currently there are 26 states into 13-ish of those have what's called trigger laws. They already have limited abortion to an extent. Um, one of them being Texas, of course, where you can't abort past six weeks. Oklahoma recently was stated to sign a law. And actually, by the time we're recording this today, um, they may have already signed. I, I didn't get to look that one up. But Oklahoma was going to sign where abortions would not be allowed from conception on. So, I mean, it's, it's amazing what I believe God is doing. But anyway, we have to be ready. Not just in this, I'm not just preaching about Roe versus Wade per se. We have to be ready to speak for our beliefs, to speak what God says, to educate people with the scriptures. Again, not that we're hating on anybody or we're, we're looking down at somebody like, oh, you aborted your child, you're this and you're that. Okay, then we'll be working in the flesh again, right? We'll be doing the same thing they're doing. But we look at them, of course, with heavy hearts like, oh, you did this, you shouldn't have done that. But we look at them with the heart of compassion that they're a hurting soul 
for whatever reason, they got themselves in the situation or something happened to them where they got pregnant. And then they were so hurt or shamed, whether they voiced it or not, that they, they felt that that was the only option out. So we look at them with compassion and we minister the love of Jesus. And you know the beauty of the love of Jesus? If those women come to the knowledge of Christ, come to their senses, I would say, and repent of the sin of killing a baby, Jesus forgives them. Jesus loves them. Jesus, when they repent, any of us, when we repent, he remembers our sin. He remembers that sin no more. And then what does the Bible say? I've made you into a new creature, a new creation in Christ. All things are past and behold, everything is new. So you know what? Then those people have a purpose in God. They have a destiny. And you know what? Then that's my sister in Christ and I'm obligated to love them. I'm obligated to pray for them. I'm obligated to to bless them, to, to disciple them, to encourage them. And I'm obligated to also help them to forgive themselves. Can you imagine forgiving yourself for doing something like that? So anyway, in the times that we are living in, we have to remember just to be ready. Be ready with an answer. Be ready with the gospel. Be ready by knowing the word of God, by listening to the spirit of God and saying, okay, God, what do I say to defend either myself or defend God. We don't have to defend ourselves. We don't have to defend God. His word defends him. But you know what I'm saying? To explain and to bring revelation and insight into the situation to say, okay, that's what's going on. Well, this is what God says. Because people are going to talk. They're going to talk either way. They're already talking. Like I said, you already see all these TikToks and social media posts and people are angry. They're upset. There's wickedness that's prevailing. And you know, I even saw one, actually two, where, and again, a lot of times it's taken out of context. You don't get to see the full clip to analyze it and assess it and say, okay, that's what was going on. But there was some where people, I mean, in rage are saying wicked things about Christians and our mindset and, and so many things. And that were part of cults and all kinds of things that have been said about Christianity throughout several millennia, <laughs> yeah, for a while. But we have to be ready to say, you know what, even when you say that against me, you persecute me verbally, I love you and I forgive you. I bless my enemies. The Bible says I do good to them that persecute you, that I pray for them. All these different things, which is not easy, right? Especially when you're like, oh, they're lying about me. They're saying this and that is not right. But we're obligated to love and forgive everything. Really, when you think about it, in any type of relationship, love and forgive. Well, they did this to me. They did that to me. Love and forgive. Well, they said this about me. Love and forgive. Well, they put me through the court system, you know. Love and forgive. I'm not saying just allow yourself to be passive and to be walked all over. Okay, when you have to defend yourself, when you have to stand up for your rights, when you do that, do that in love and in forgiveness. But take a stand and protect yourself and your family, of course. But otherwise, all we're allowed to do is love and forgive. Jesus on the cross did what? He loved and he forgave. Yeah, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then a revelation I got with different things in my life. Father, forgive them even when they know what they're doing. Some people coming against us in these last days in different ways different wickedness that's been unleashed throughout our country and around the world, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. 
The Bible even talks about when we walk in love, when we walk in forgiveness, we walk in the ways of God. It's like putting hot coals on somebody's head. And it, it brings them around to say, hey, like a light bulb, you know, like, hey, what I'm doing is wrong. What they're doing is right. They're not coming at me, you know, they're, they're walking in love and forgiveness. And so we need to do that. But the way that we do that and prepare ourselves, first of all, is to walk in holiness, to walk in the righteousness of God. So I'm going to read a few scriptures about that. You're welcome to turn in your Bibles to them. For those of y'all watching, write them down. Turn in your Bible with me to them. But we're going to look at Leviticus 19.2. And it says, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord God, am holy. I, the Lord God, am holy, so you should be holy. That's all of us. And you say, well, what's holiness? Well, holiness is walking in a pure life, a sanctified life, set apart from the world, where if people looked at people in the world and their attitudes and their actions, and then they looked at you and I, would they be able to see total opposites? They should. If the devil's opposite of God, then we should be opposite of the world. We should be opposite of the traits of the world. So if there are unholy people out there that have not given their hearts to God yet, but we are supposed to be holy, living a pure life before God, just as He is, then that's what we're obligated to do. If you flip over to the next chapter, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7, it reminds us to also do this, to consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, is holy. So to consecrate yourself, that's also getting rid of things of the world, the nature of the world, attitudes, lust, ungodliness, maybe a foul mouth. If we had a foul mouth before we gave our hearts to Christ, sometimes God miraculously changes different things about us or a hunger and a desire we have for drugs or alcohol. He'll do that. He'll do it miraculously. The craving will be gone. But sometimes it's a process where we have to bite our tongue and say, oh, I can't do that anymore. I don't speak that way. It's not God honoring. Oh, I don't, I don't drink anymore. I don't lust after women anymore. I don't, I'm not a loose person anymore because Jesus has changed my heart. And not only does he tell me not to do all those things, but I love God and I don't want to hurt him. So if he tells me not to do that, my desire is not to hurt him. Leviticus chapter 20, if you go down a little bit more to verse 26 says, You shall be holy to me. For I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. Isn't that beautiful to be loved and be wanted and to be mine unto the Lord? And if he is holiness and, and he does, he encompasses everything that's good and he's perfect and he's righteous. If that's him, he doesn't embrace wickedness in us. He doesn't embrace breaking the Ten Commandments, stealing, killing, cheating. Now he embraces us and loves us where he draws us by his spirit. Hey, come on, come on, get it right, repent. We have to make the choice. We have a free will to do that or not, to be holy and righteous or not. But that's where he draws us into himself. But then once we get to know Jesus and we study the scriptures and we read the word of God and we strive to live a godly life, then we realize I've got to be holy. I've got to be consecrated. I've got to be separated. I've got to get rid of the things that are not of God and not in his kingdom, okay, the way he operates, so that I can love him, serve him, and be a clean vessel for him to use. Because he wants to use every one of us. And you say, well, Sister Joy, I can't get in front of a camera and have a microphone and speak like that. Well, maybe not. Maybe not yet. 
right? But in some form or fashion, all of us are called to be ministers. Some of us, of course, are given more responsibility, more things we're accountable for, more platforms that we speak from, which is fine if that's what we're called to do. And some of us are not called to that. Some of us are called to the food ministry, the clothing ministry, just ministering to people on the streets or at the stores. That's fine too. You're a minister. You're a carrier of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in order to do that and, and be found faithful in that area, we've got to be holy. We've got to be sanctified like Leviticus 21.8 talks about. Sanctified and offer ourselves the bread to our God. Um, there's other scriptures that talk about being holy, but another thing we have to do also in this day and age with all the things and all the perplexities that are coming about and the situation in June that we're talking about coming up and a lot of different things and elections that are coming up, different fads that arise. Well, I'm going to raise my children this way or you should raise your children that way. This should be allowed. That should be allowed. The new thing with transgender, and now you're seeing, I don't know if y'all have seen it on social media and stuff in the news, where there's non-binary people that are going to schools as teachers or just in the community that, that are men. They have all their facial hair. They have their beards like Brother John or my dad, but yet they have the long hair also as women and makeup. You have drag queens. You have all kinds of confusion. It's All it is is satanic and demonic, and we hate that. We hate the sin. We hate the confusion. We hate that the enemy is lying to people. We don't hate the people. We love the soul, the person that's deep within there. You know, we pray for God's mercy. We pray for them to, to have the revelation that that's not of God. Okay. But sad to say, that's some of the fad that's going on right now. Children changing their gender with or without parental consent. You know, we have homosexuality that's rampant. A lot of things that even in today's society, I could get in trouble for saying per se. But again, that's why I opened with my Facebook status. As a minister, a licensed minister of the gospel, I am obligated to myself and my God to preach his word because I believe his word. I believe it's the absolute truth and I hold it in high regard in my life. And so I put those things out there where I hate the sin but I love the sinner, okay? God hated the sin in all of us before we were born again and asked him into our hearts, but he didn't hate the sinner. He didn't hate joy. He loved joy. He loved you and I. That's why he drew us to himself by his spirit. And thankfully, we answered the call and we said, Lord, come into my heart. Make me a new person. Change me. Cleanse me and help me to live a godly life for you. So, Another way we do this is continuing in his word and becoming his disciples. You can turn to John chapter 8 with me, verse 31 and 32. It says, And Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, the commandments of old, the, the New Testament commandments, things that Jesus told us to live by, abide by, things to love, things to not condone, okay, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And the Amplified says, abide in my word and you are faithful to my teachings. And then verse 32 says, and you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Praise God that God's truth has set us free. And that's why we're here on this planet. That's one of the purposes of our lives to help set other people free. 
people that have suicidal thoughts, people that are dealing with adultery or fornication or, you know, addicted to drugs, whatever the issue may be. They don't have mental health. Really what that is is no peace, no peace of mind. I know there's chemical imbalances and things in the natural that people are born with or trauma that causes things in the natural. I understand that. But spiritually speaking, it's a lack of peace in the mind. Anxiety, all that boils down to is fear. People are in horrid fear all the time. They're trembling in fear. They're fearful of, you know, whatever. There's phobias of whatever. Or depression. All depression boils down to is extreme sadness, spiritually speaking. Sadness or disappointment or, you know, ailments, things that have happened. And so they have no hope. They have no joy. They have no purpose. And all that can be resolved, spiritually speaking, through the blood of Jesus, through the power in his name. So if we continue in his word, we're his disciples and we're able to share these truths with others. In the next couple months, as things and rulings come around, as situations come up today with that school shooting, unfortunately, in Uvalde, you know, all these things happen around us because the enemy, Satan, has been allowed into different arenas. And remember, John 10, 10 tells us that the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to bring life and life in abundance. And so we're going to be used to help heal people. We're going to be used to help deliver people. We're going to be used to help bring Jesus to the world. Sometimes, like I mentioned, they're not going to like us. They're going to hate us. And John 15 talks about that a little bit. I'm going to jump verses here, but verse 14, 18 and 19, 23, 24, 25 talks about all that. So it says in verse 14, and we're in John 15, verse 14, it says, you're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. So first of all, thank God we're the friend of God, even like Abraham was a friend of God. Verse 18 says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Jesus was telling us that, hey, they hated me a long time ago. <laughs> they hated me while I was around the earth because he was preaching the good news. He was preaching the truth. He was moving in signs, wonders, and miracles. They even had the audacity to say, you're moving in doctrines of demons. What you do is by Beelzebub, by the devil. And it's like, okay, if I'm doing that, but yet I'm proclaiming to be of God, like that doesn't match up. It's against itself. So it said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. None of us want to be hated. None of us want to be ostracized. None of us want to be secluded and excommunicated. And like I mentioned, our other brothers and sisters around the world imprisoned and tortured and all these things that are real. They're so real and they're so horrible. But because we choose to live for Jesus Christ, sometimes that will happen to us. But we take heart in knowing that we're not alone, right? And we take heart in knowing that that means, that testifies to the truth that we're living godly lives, that we're living for the Lord, and that we're loving Him, and that we love and forgive. Verse 23 says, He that hateth me hates my Father also. So again, don't take it personal when you're living a holy, godly life. Don't take it personal like those videos I was seeing on social media where people were like, you this and you that and Christians and cults and blah, blah, blah. And you're going back in time and you're old fashioned. And if it weren't for you, that's on the brink of, of physical persecution for the Christian community in this country. But 
we go beyond that to say, okay, you know what? It hated Jesus. They hated Jesus. They unfortunately may and will hate me, but it's not about Jesus even or me. It's about Jesus through the Father. It's the Father that they're after. Why? Because the Word of God, the Bible, brings conviction. They feel condemned. Jesus doesn't bring condemnation on people. They feel condemned. But what it is is conviction because when we're in that situation, if, if I were in the world, I look at myself through the mirror of the Bible and I know I don't add up. I'm like, ah, ah, well, I don't have to live like that. Or I don't believe that. Or, you know, that's, you know, this and this and this. Okay, you can believe whatever you do. Jesus didn't force Christianity. He didn't force himself on anybody. We don't force Jesus on anybody. But when we have that conviction within us is because the Holy Spirit's working on us when we're unbelievers saying, man, I don't measure up. I am not living a godly life. Man, God does say not to still do these things. And, and so that's where the conviction comes in. But they're not hating us directly, even though they are in this natural world. It's the Spirit of God within us. It's Jesus within us. And they're not even just hating Jesus. They're hating the Father. And all that boils down to the root of it, good versus evil. Satan influencing them in their decisions to come against the things of God. I talked a lot about Roe versus Wade earlier, that it's killing of innocent babies. And again, 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 if people repent, we're obligated to love and forgive. We can't hold that against people. And even with that sin, if I go, if I was married and I cheat on my spouse, to God, sin is sin. That's as if I would have done that. It's not that my sin's a white sin and their sin's a black sin. I'm holier than thou because my sin was smaller than their sin. Oh, you aborted your baby. With God, sin is sin. I'm just as guilty. <laughs> but the guilty need mercy and we have mercy. And then verse 24, If I had not done among them the works which no other man did, then they had not sinned. But now have they both seen and hated both me and the Father. But this comes to pass, verse 25, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Many times we are hated as believers without a cause. We're, we're spoken about unjustly. We're ridiculed unjustly. And a lot of times too, you know what it is? People are jealous. They're envious. They maybe wish that they could be like us or have what we have. Be blessed with peace of mind. Be blessed with good children that y'all have, good families, striving for their education. And yeah, we can all attain that by making certain choices and doing the best we can, you know. But even when we have little at the moment, if we have little, God still blesses that. And you know what's beautiful about it? As we pray and say, Lord, I'm, I'm a tither, I'm a giver, I'm doing what I can, I'm living a holy life. He'll increase it. If we're faithful with the little, he's going to give us much. That's what the Bible says. And a lot of times people will hold ministers responsible. Well, you said this and you said that. Hey, I'm just saying what the Bible says. Don't come after me. Come after God, per se. Your fight's not with me. Your fight's with God. I'm just choosing to stand for what he says. I'm choosing to preach what he says. I'm choosing to live what he says. And if people say, well, yeah, but you messed up and you're, you're trying to be perfect and goody two-shoes. Hey, I'm not claiming to be perfect. I know I'm not perfect. We're all imperfect people. That's why we're all in need of a Savior. And that's why we all, even as believers, daily say, Lord, give me this day my daily bread. Forgive me of my trespasses. 
That's the Lord's Prayer. That's an example. Forgive me of my trespasses. Why would Jesus say that? Because he knew that we were going to trespass. Okay? And help me to forgive others. So there's so much truth in the Word of God. It's so deep. It's so fascinating. And yet it's so very simple on how we can live holy lives. Um, as we begin to close up tonight, it's going to be difficult to be a Christian. You can read this at home, 2 Timothy chapter 3. The different things that we've already witnessed going on in society, things that are still going to transpire, but we still believe that God's going to reach them somehow, some way, by the Spirit of God. But anyway, you read here how um, society will be lovers of money, lovers of themselves, proud, boastful, sneering at God disobedient to parents, ungrateful, thoroughly bad, hard-hearted, not giving to others, constant liars and troublemakers. They will think of nothing but immorality, just sin, 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 wickedness, greed, all the things that that entails. Rough, cruel, sneering at those that try to be good. How many of y'all had people like that, right? You try to get an upper hand and be good and they just cut you down. They get you at the knees. You're like, my goodness, don't you just want to rejoice with me once in a while or encourage me to say, great job? No, they'll always find something to nitpick, right? And, well, I thought you're Little Miss Pris and you're Little Miss Godly or Mr. Godly. Hey, I'm doing my best just like you are to be a good person in the natural, but even spiritually speaking, I'm trying to live for God. But, I mean, this, this chapter goes on to say all the different things that are going to go on. There's going to be evil men, false teachers. And you know, the Bible actually says too, we're talking about holiness and people that are homosexuals. The Bible says homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. And the word is there. You cannot, once you know the word of God, you cannot continue to practice that lifestyle or any sin. Again, I'm not nitpicking those types of people, those sins only, any sin. We cannot continue to operate in any sin or that sin because when we have an understanding of who Christ is, then we understand does not compute. It does not line up. That's not part of the character of holiness. And so we pray that they get that revelation and they turn their lives around. So um, we have to remember too, Matthew twelve thirty, that if we're not for God, plain and simple, <laughs> it's like, ugh, you're killing me. You're killing me. Yeah, we're killing the flesh, right? The Bible says, he who is not with me once and for all on my side, is against me and he who does not unequivocally that means like to the t 100 percent gather with me scatters the bible is so plain and that's why people a lot of times choose not to be a christian or believe in jesus because it convicts them it hurts right the new living translation says anyone who isn't with me opposes me and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me other scriptures talk about how when we choose to be anti-God, then we're enemies of God. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be an enemy of God. I'd rather be on his team, <laughs> on the winning team. We don't have to worry. The Holy Spirit's going to let us know what to do. We can be strong and courageous, trusting in God to lead us and guide us. We don't have to fear. Of course, again, be cautious, be safe, do what you got to do. Feel the waters and different conversations that are going to come up. But always just love people, forgive them. That's what we would want. We would want to be loved and forgiven. And we have to just choose, like the Bible says in Deuteronomy, choose you this day who you're going to serve. Are we going to be for God or are we going to be against Him? And we have to pray and ask God, give us the strength. Give us the strength to love 
on people that are going to be mean and hateful and nasty for whether Roe versus Wade is overturned or anything else going on in society as Jesus coming back for his people is very, 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 very close. If they thought we were soon and very soon back when Jesus was around, he said, hey, I'm coming for you soon. And he ascended into heaven. Can you imagine we're right at the door? We're right at the door. It's fixing to be open and we're, we're out of here. And it's not, again, that we're right, we're wrong. You know, this big old argument. We know we're right. We have nothing to prove because Jesus proves himself through his word. The Holy Spirit comes to prove the word of God and that God is real. So let's just go ahead and pray real quick as we close. Father, we just thank you for this word of the Lord tonight. Thank you for those that were watching online. And Father, we know that the days are getting darker, but then the light shines that much brighter through us, around us, and towards us, Father. And I just thank you for my brothers and sisters here tonight and for those watching online, Father, that you give us strength. You give us revelation knowledge, that much more of your word. You prepare us in word and in deed, and just to love and forgive those that may come against us and persecute us, come against us with different things and rulings in the world and just have this hate. It's demonic hate, not necessarily for us, but it's towards you, God. And I thank you, Father God, that you just give us the words and the insight on how to handle these situations. And Father, we thank you for all the people, the generations, even with the Roe versus Wade, even for Many other situations going on in our world that have been praying and interceding and believing for you to move. Father, thank you that you honor our prayers. And it's not even about who's right and wrong per se, even though we, we know the word of God is true. But it's also about preserving life, Father, giving these innocent souls a chance to live, Father. And we plead the blood of Jesus over ourselves. And we thank you for our angels, God. And we thank you again, Father, that you strengthen all of us as we go about our business and help us to love you and to serve you and to honor you that much more, Father, by striving to live a holy, godly life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.